we are in the middle of this red letter challenge. It's called the red letter challenge. We've been doing this over 40 days and each five weeks, and the weeks have different themes as we just saw. And each week, there's a challenge. And a challenge is something that's difficult to do. You don't have to challenge yourself to sit at home, watch TV, and eat potato chips, right? You don't, that's pretty easy to do. A challenge is something that's difficult, but if you do it, it is very rewarding. And so each of these weeks and throughout this whole thing, this, there's a challenge to it. We had a week on being, and one of the things was solitude. Sometimes being just by ourselves is difficult, but it's very rewarding because it also brings up things and brings you closer to God. During the forgiving week, I know in this room there are some people that the forgiving week was very challenging because there are some people in your lives that are very difficult to forgive. So this week we are on the giving week, and some of you, when you saw the word giving, in giant letters up on the screen, you kind of wanted to sneak out. Uh, so I want to say a couple things. One is, I am not going to ask you today to give money to our church. I won't turn it down if you do, but I won't. That's not the point of this morning, and I'm not up here to make you feel guilty. But I am up here for all of us to figure out what is the challenge that God has for us. What is the difficult thing related to giving that God has for us, that if we do it, there is a great reward to it. And so to help us understand that, I wanna read from a passage in the Bible and read some of the red letters that Jesus said. It's from the book of Luke, chapter 18. Luke, chapter 18, says this. A certain ruler asked him, meaning Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and mother. All these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. Let's pause in the story right here and, and kind of look at what's going on. And, and so it, it says a ruler came up to Jesus and later on it's gonna say that he was wealthy. So we know that this person that came to Jesus was wealthy and a pretty important person. And he asked Jesus a, a very difficult question, like how do you inherit eternal life? Basically, how do you get into heaven? Now, that's a pretty weighty question. He asked that question, and Jesus responds with another question. Now, I, I gotta be honest, you can't tell totally from just the text, but my impression is that this guy and Jesus are having a, a kind of a good-natured debate here. I, I imagine this guy, you know, genuinely wanting to know the answer, but also kind of going, hey, hey, Jesus, how do you inherit eternal life. And Jesus kind of with a smile on his face uses the kind of Socratic method of asking questions back and forth says, why do you call me good? And then Jesus says a phrase here. He says, only God is good. Now that phrase is going to be important to the main point of this story. Jesus says, only God is good. And then he goes on to say, you know, talks about some of the 10 commandments. And this guy says, well, I'm basically says, I'm a pretty good person. I've, I haven't murdered anybody. I haven't stolen anything. I'm a pretty good person. Then let's see what Jesus responds to him. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. And Jesus looked at him and said, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven? Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Those who heard this asked, who then can be saved? And Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. So I said, I envisioned kind of a good-natured back and forth between Jesus and this guy, and then all of a sudden Jesus kind of just drops the hammer on him. 
He drops the hammer on him and he says, okay, here's what you needed to go, go sell everything you have and then come follow me. And we know that this guy genuinely was asking the question of how to inherit eternal life because he, he then becomes sad because he goes, well, I don't think I can do that. And so he goes away. And in fact, the people around are confused. Even the disciples are a little confused going, wait a minute, what, do, we, do we really have to sell everything we have? What, what, what does he mean here? And then Jesus ends with that phrase, what's impossible with man is possible with God. Now this story kind of is talking about a few different things. It is actually much more a story about heaven than it is a story about giving, but it includes both. So I want to talk about the heaven part of it first because it kind of lays the foundation to get to the giving part. Because the main point of this story, the main whole point that Jesus is making in this story is that doing good is never enough to get into heaven. Believing in Jesus and therefore following him with your entire life is. That's why Jesus says, hey, what's impossible with man is possible with God. Because it's impossible for any of us to do enough good stuff to get into heaven. Why? Well, because we've all done bad stuff. Like every single one of us has done bad stuff, and heaven has to be perfect. That's why Jesus says, hey, only God is good. Only God is perfect. No one else is. To get into heaven, you have to be perfect. So there's nothing humanly we can do. No matter how many good things you do, if you do a little bit better, that doesn't make you perfect. The only way to get into heaven, to have eternal life, is for God to forgive the sins we've done, cover over them. That is what Jesus did by dying on the cross. That's the only way. And so ultimately, the main point of this story is that to truly inherit eternal life, we have to believe and follow Jesus. And, and those two go intimately together. You cannot believe and not follow. And that's kind of the other point of the story, that following Jesus means a total commitment of all we are and everything we have. A total commitment of all we are, everything we have. If we truly believe that Jesus is God, then we're going to desire, we're going to mess up, we're going to make mistakes, but we're going to desire to follow him with all we are and everything we have because Jesus is God. And Jesus is God, that means Jesus is right 100% of the time, never wrong. There are a lot of good people in this room. I know some of you. There are a lot of good people in this room. I, yeah, we got some great people right here in the front row. Beth Thompson sitting right here. You probably don't know Beth Thompson. She's taking notes. That's really nice, Beth. Beth is a Christian counselor, a wonderful godly woman, all right? An unbelievable godly woman right here in the front row. And I know her husband, Rich, sitting next to her, wouldn't, wouldn't tell you this, but even though she is an unbelievable, wonderful godly woman who gives great advice on a regular basis, every so often, I mean, Rich wouldn't say this, but every so often, she's wrong. I mean, not very often, but every so, because she's not God. But Jesus is God. If Jesus is God, that means everything he says is right. So if Jesus is God, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna actually go and wanna follow him with everything. I'll, I'll try to study his words. That's why we're doing this red letter challenge. I will try to study his words. I'll try to understand everything he said and live that out because it's gotta be the best thing for me because he's God. He's right all the time. That's what the main point of the story is. Well, then how does that relate to giving, you might say? Well, now that we've laid that foundation of Truly understanding that if Jesus is God, we're going to want to follow him with our entire lives. We're going to believe in him. Well, that, then it kind of relates to giving. Because what I want to do this morning is ask you to do a little bit of a heart check. I want to ask you to do a little bit of a heart check. Because ultimately, that's what Jesus was doing for this guy, this rich young ruler. He was asking him, hey, look at your heart. Because he knew that this guy's heart wasn't quite in the right place. 
He wasn't really willing to follow Jesus with all that he had. That's why when he says, hey, give up everything, the guy goes, eh, no, not gonna happen. And this morning, God wants to do the same heart check for us that he did for that rich young ruler. Because when it comes to giving, much of the time, our lack of giving is a heart issue more than a budget issue. Our lack of giving often is a heart issue more than a budget issue. And again, there's a lot of good budgeting. I hope you take the Financial Peace University that we offer, which does a lot of that, is very important. Budgeting, all that is very important. But to be honest, a lot of time, there's a heart issue. And that's what Jesus was getting at, and that's what I think we need to look at. In fact, as I was studying this, I did a lot of soul searching. All of us pastors, before we get up here and preach, before we preach to you, we, we try to preach to ourselves. So I did a lot of soul searching on this, and I had to ask myself, hey, am I like this rich young ruler? I, am I more like him than I might want to be? And one of the things I realized is I am like him in the fact that I am incredibly rich. I, I can't speak for you. I, I don't know your financial situation, but me personally, I am, by global standards, opulently, extravagantly rich. Why? First of all, I own a car. Only 30, I'm only about a third of the world owns a car. And I got one. In fact, I own three cars. Three of them. Now, I can excuse it if you want me to. There are eight people that live in my house and four drivers. And even with three cars and four drivers, we often can't get people to where they need to go. But I, I own three cars. In addition to that, I live in an extravagantly amazing home. You know why? I have a toilet. Did you know a third of the world, or about 30% of the world, 2.3 billion people do not have a toilet in their house? I've got, in my house, four toilets. Now, I, I don't own the home, but I get to live in a house with four toilets. I'm extravagantly rich. You know what I have access to? I have access to a feast every single day. The amount of food that I have access to would be considered a feast in most of the world and in most of human history. And I have access to that every day. Not only that, I went into my closet this morning. You know how many pairs of pants I have? 33. I need to donate some next Sunday. I am extravagantly opulently rich. I mean, just extravagantly rich, much like this guy. I am so rich, which is why Jesus gives us a giving challenge, a challenge, something that's difficult but rewarding if we do it. And I believe Jesus' giving challenge is that we spend less on ourselves so we can give as much as possible away. I think that's the challenge for all of us, not just this week, but for our lives Spend a little less on ourselves so we can give more away. This is a pretty consistent message throughout all the Bible. It's a pretty simple message, actually. But consistently throughout the Bible, you can see some of the verses there. There's this idea that we should actually sacrifice a little bit of ourselves so that we can give more and serve more and help more. And remember, a challenge is something that's difficult because while this is simple, it's, it's also a little bit difficult. But there's a huge reward. And the reward is that the reason Jesus wants us to give more away is because Jesus has a couple of priorities. Let me list a couple of those priorities on the board. A couple of those priorities that Jesus has, the first one is that Jesus wants as many people as possible to inherit eternal life, just like this guy was asking, through saving faith in Jesus. 
So if I can spend a little less on myself so I can give away some money so more people can come to faith in Jesus, that's a huge reward. Not only that, Jesus wants people to live with dignity of having the basic needs. In the Bible it says, hey, Jesus rewards those. He says, hey, if you were hungry and you gave him something to eat or thirsty and you gave him something to drink, like over and over God says, hey, I want people to live with the dignity that I created for them. That's a huge reward. So that's why Jesus gives us this challenge. Spend a little less on yourself so you can give more away because the reward is so great. Now, I could end the sermon there and say, yay, let's go, let's go do this. And here's, here's the problem with that. One, it would be a little dishonest. And two, ultimately, we're gonna walk out that door and probably just do the same thing we've been doing unless we have a heart change. Unless our heart change a little bit, we'll probably walk out like that rich young ruler a little bit sad. And the other reason that I, I can't end it there is I've gotta be honest with you. I said I've been soul searching on this a little bit and, and the truth is something happened a few weeks ago as I was preparing this talk and, and, I, and I set aside some time to go and pray about this and study this. I went to a spot where I normally do and I, I, I enjoy doing that. I enjoy getting away a little bit and spending that time and I was praying and I was reading I got frustrated as I was doing that. I got frustrated, and I read through all the chapters that we're gonna read in Red Alert Challenge this week, so took some notes on it, and there was this an unsettledness in my spirit about how can you talk about these things. I don't mind talking, I love sharing about these things. I get passionate about that. I think if we, especially in the American church, live this out, it would be so powerful. So I get passionate, but I, there was an uneasiness in me, an unsettledness. And then I put my stuff down, prayed a little bit, and God kind of punched me in the gut. God punched me in the gut because I had this realization of why I believe I was unsettled about this talk. And I wrote it down in my journal, and this is what it said. God, I don't want to give anymore. I mean, I know what I just said. I said I'm opulently rich. I know what I just said. I said the rewards of just spending a little less on myself and giving more are great. I know that, but if I'm honest and if I did a heart check, I... I don't feel that rich. I have 33 pairs of pants, but I like pants. I like clothes. And I have strict limits on how much I can spend so that I don't buy more pants. I like food. I like eating. I like going out to eat. I have strict limits on how much I can go out to eat so that I can give a little bit of money away. I mentioned I own three cars. Truth is, none of them are. Newer than 10 years old, the car I'm driving right now is a 19-year-old 2001 Toyota Corolla. The ceiling's caving in a little bit on the inside. I'm tall, so it hits me on the head. It's got a broken bumper. The light on the dashboard doesn't work, so if you're driving at night, you can't tell how fast you're going or whether you have gas in the car. <laughs> and I could handle all that. Except a couple weeks ago, I went out to my car. It was one of the rare cold days that we had this winter. There was a little bit of ice on it. I went to open the car door, and the handle completely broke off. <laughs> my plastic handle broke off. In fact, before we even knew about this sermon, a, a, a guy who works here, a coworker, Bruce, he, uh, he was going to play a prank on me. I pulled my car up to the front of the church to run in and grab something because I was going out to a meeting and I parked my car there and I ran in and he happened to be walking out and he saw my car there and he was gonna steal my car. <laughs> and he actually made a video of him stealing my car that he was gonna show to people. But it didn't work. Here, I'll show you what happened. 
So I'm out here in front of the church because Pastor Josh left his car running and I was going to steal it and not permanently steal it but temporarily borrow it and uh, put it up in the upper parking lot and I realized uh, one little problem. He actually doesn't have a car door handle to grab onto so I don't know if this is an anti-theft thing. I just I don't know how to open the car door. Okay, lift it up. That's classic. There is a secret technique on how to, I'm not going to tell you how it is to open my car door. Truth is, if I do a heart check, I don't feel rich. I don't feel like I want to spend less on myself, even though the reward is great. And I think there's many of us in here that are, feel very similar. So what do you do? What do you do if you don't feel like you want to spend less and give away more? Well, what you do in that situation is you turn back to a God who loves you so much. You spend a little more time worshiping that God. You spend a little more time realizing who that God is. The God created the entire universe and yet loves every single one of us. And God loved us so much that he sent his son, Jesus, to come into this world, to live in this world, to walk around, to teach us, to give us the words that we now have that are red letter words so that we can live. And ultimately, Jesus died on the cross for us, for me and for you, so that we can inherit eternal life. And the only way to have our heart transformed so that we are willing to sacrifice is when we truly understand. So what we're gonna do now, we're gonna end this service by taking communion. What that means is that a little bit, just before Jesus died, he got his friends together. He got them together in a room, and, and he said to him, he said, hey, when I'm gone, which is now, right now for us, when I'm gone, I want you to do something to remember me. Take a little piece of bread to remember that my body was broken. Take a little cup. And when you drink of that cup, remember that my blood was shed for you. And as we do that, as we begin to remember who God is and what God has done for us, our heart changes. I mean, if Jesus died and was tortured for me, I could drive a car without a door handle. If Jesus died, I can spend a little less on myself so that I can give a little more away. That's how we remember who Jesus is. Right now, I'm going to pray. The band's going to come out and play for a little bit. And what I want you to do is take a little heart check. A little heart check on where you are. Because some of you, some of you, when I say all this about Jesus being God and following him, some of you, I have good friends who attend this church who, who, uh, who love coming but aren't really sure what they think about this Jesus thing. And I'm so glad you're here. And the best thing is to be a little honest about where you are. Do you truly believe that Jesus is God? Some of us, we say, okay, yeah, I believe Jesus is God, and we jump around and get all excited when we come to church, but the moment we walk out that door and go back to our everyday life, we're like, ah, maybe not so much here. 
And so my request this morning is that you do a heart check. Thank you for watching BlackRock Sermon of the Week. We're so glad you found us, and we hope that this message helped you feel more connected to God. In talking about connection, we find that it's super important for people to be connected to others and to a community in order to grow in their faith. So if you're in our area, we want to invite you to join us for one of our services. You can find out more about our times and locations right here on this webpage. And if you're not in the area, don't worry. We encourage you to join a local church where you are. There you'll find people who can walk alongside you and help you continue to grow in your faith. So we hope that you join us next week and thank you so much for watching.